Time for our weekly politics panel. Lori Turnbull, Associate Professor of Political Science at Dalhousie, Alex Boudelier, Senior National Politics Reporter for Global News, who is currently en route to Etobicoke for tonight's big DOFO show. What are you planning to do out there with the conservatives, Alex, tonight? You know, I'm, I'm really just going to try to be there to you know, get a feel of the crowd, you know, talk to some of the key players and in, in, uh, what it looks like uh, a victory for, for Mr. Ford, although the votes remain to be counted. Um, and yeah, as I was saying to you earlier, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to actually be at a conservative election night victory party uh, in covering the federal party since 2015. So it's going to be uh, quite a different atmosphere, I think, than what I'm used to. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to get your take on the differences between the political or the provincial conservatives and the federal conservatives. Obviously, they are one and the same in some ways, but in another way, and Lori, I'll turn this to you. What is it about Doug Ford and the conservatives in this province that have seemed to succeed where the national conservatives have not? Yeah, I mean, Premier Ford has had definitely a more unusual first term than he would have anticipated, than anyone would have anticipated because of the situation with COVID-19. But I think we've seen him pivot a lot as a, as a politician, right? Like the types of things that he campaigned on, the types of things that he started out with in 2018, that's not the guy that we see today necessarily, right? Like he seems now to be more moderate, more responsive to what Ontarians are saying. Um, some of the things that he's got in his platform are, you know, really not at all what you would think would come from, say, the federal conservatives. And so you don't get the sense that he's being pulled to the right as much, which and that might have to do with the, the world of a premier and the sorts of social issues that you have to deal with when you're a premier. In some ways, you can't pick and choose those things. But he is, you know, he's playing this as a progressive conservative, whereas the federal conservatives seem to be more pulled to the right and more fractured around who they are, you don't get a sense of an existential crisis in the progressive conservative party in Ontario or in Ontario, or sorry, or in Nova Scotia for that matter, or in Prince Edward Island or in New Brunswick, where there are also successful progressive conservative premiers. Hmm. Um, Alex, to you, it's, it's tough to actually, you know, wake out of the long snooze that has been this campaign. We've talked about it on this radio show about, you know, why is it that people aren't engaged? There seems to be some big issues out there, like Highway 413. That's a big deal for this province. But yet there doesn't seem to be a ton of engagement. I was talking to Richard Zussman, who's our uh, BC correspondent, and he he said it was kind of similar in British Columbia when they had their provincial election. A little different because they were still in the middle of COVID. But what is it just that we're, as the electorate, we're just tired? I think there's something to that. I think it, he also found, uh, Mr. Mr. Ford found a sort of a sweet spot to... Uh, told this election, obviously there's fixed election dates, but it came at a very fortuitous time for him. You know, uh, we're just sort of slowly coming out of the last two years of COVID. Things are opening up again. The weather's getting warm. Um, you know, people on this train are heading to a Jays game, right? Uh, something that we couldn't have done last year. So, you know, I think that really the timing worked out perfectly for the, the progressive conservatives with everybody in a bit of a better mood. Um, and yeah, in terms of, um, you know, why people are more engaged, I don't know. The, there, there seemed to be, from my perspective, a sense of inevitability almost from the start of the campaign. We didn't see any movement in the polls. Nothing seemed to be breaking through for the opposition parties. And, uh, and you know, Mr. Ford and his campaign team ran a very good defensive frontrunner campaign. So I think all of those sort of factors come together to mean, uh, you know, that Ontarians aren't quite as engaged as they were in 2018, which is obviously a change election after 15 years of liberal rule. Yeah, and Alex, you make a great point there at the end about change election. Laurie, you know, if, if if change is not in the air, it's pretty difficult for leaders, you know, the other parties to just make that come about. 
Well, that's it, right? I mean, it's not unusual for an electorate to give a government two terms at least. And so, you know, from that perspective, it's it's not coming up as a change election. And so therefore, it seems like the question is really around who is going to be the official opposition as opposed to who is going to be the government. And that doesn't really generate the same type of momentum, right? And so I think people won't be necessarily surprised if the Liberals pick up some more seats and the NDP drop a few seats, but it also looks like the PCs could pick up a few seats. They're doing, you know, they're doing pretty well in the, in the later polls in, in the GTA. And so some of the, the room that I think the Liberals and the NDP would have needed to hold or to build, it looks like the PCs are also competitive there. And so I think the night is really going to be about not so much that big piece around who's going to form government. I think we know that, although, as Alex says, you know, folks haven't been counted. Many votes left to cast. Absolutely. But I think also we're looking at, you know, what are going to be some of the other stories of the night? Is is Stephen Del Duca going to hold on to a seat? Who is going to win in a riding like Ajax that doesn't have an incumbent? What's the voter turnout going to be? Um, what kind of speeches are the leaders going to be making? What kind of night is this going to be for Andy Horvath? That kind of thing. Uh, I'll be interested with speeches. Uh, of course, we're covering it live tonight because uh, in 2018, I don't know if you recall this, but I think in the middle of Kathleen Wynne's concession speech, Doug Ford just got up and started talking. He just totally bigfooted her. So <laughs> apparently, the apparently all the campaigns are in better communication this time around. Maybe won't won't do that. All right, we don't have a lot of time, but. I do want to quickly turn to gun control because as a big piece of legislation introduced this week, just give me the top line analysis of have the liberals hit the right chord here, Alex? Yeah, I think I think they have to be very happy with the um, with the optics of it, leaving aside you know the policy itself. Uh, obviously, it comes after a couple of horrific mass shootings, actually you know double digits horrific mass shootings in the United States. Um, and I think politically, you know, the Liberals really wanted to drive that contrast. Lori, to you, your your take on it and what the reaction has been to it? Yeah, I mean, as Alex said, obviously, there was a lot of pressure on the government to respond in light of the tragedies in the United States. And also because they had they had teed up this issue of gun control and how they were going to manage smuggling handguns, things like that. And some of that had been in legislation that was still kind of on the table when they went to election last year. And so they were picking up some of that, but also you know, picking up some new pieces at a time that I think there's quite a bit of obviously, you know, and unfortunately necessary public attention to the issue. And so it'll be, um, you know, this this deal that they have with the NDP should make for smooth sailings through the House of Commons, but it's already June. And, you know, it's there's a few weeks left of the session in the summer before they break from the summer, and it's still got to go through the Senate. And so I'm not sure if we'll see that whole transaction take place before they break for the summer. But now that the Senate has been more, you know, has, has, has been anointed as more independent and senators are supposed to be seeing themselves more as independent legislators, it'll be interesting to see how lobbyists and stakeholder groups engage with that particular body, because it's more of a kind of unpredictable factor than it was before. I've been, I've been actually surprised. I've been actually surprised by how muted the uh, the criticism of the bill has been. You don't really see, except in the in the usual pockets um, of you know advocates, uh, you don't really see you know huge outrage over this. So it'll be interesting to see, as Laurie mentioned, as it goes through the legislative process, whether or not that opposition will get louder and more organized. Yeah, Alex, I, I totally concur. I, I have been struck by uh, the the lack of vocal opposition to what's been introduced. Alex, Laurie, great talking to you both. Please be well. Thank you. You Thank you. Alex Boudelier is our senior national politics reporter for Global News, who will be at Doug Ford headquarters tonight in Etobicoke as the results come in. And Dr. Laurie Turnbull is associate professor of political science 
at Dalhousie University. They both join me each and every Thursday. Thank you to them both.